sugarcoat shit. <laughs> this is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Fellas, didn't get what you were hoping for from Santa Claus this year? Looking to add a little spice to things in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about an adventurous new adult toy or movie? Well, then we have an offer that you won't be able to resist. Go to toysforpleasure.vegas and, for a limited time, you'll get 20% off store-wide and we'll even throw in free shipping for any order above $100. And no, we're not teasing. So check out toysforpleasure.vegas today and use special offer code BABE69 upon checkout and make sure all your adult fantasies come true with toysforpleasure.vegas today. Remember, use offer code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9, to receive a 20% discount on your entire order, and gift the gift that Santa forgot to give this year. Warning! The content you're about to hear contains spoilers, so if you have not watched the show, movie, or read the book in question, turn off your radio now, because there are spoilers. Spoilers ahead! Warning! Warning! Danger Will Robinson! Spoilers ahead! Don't say you haven't been warned. And welcome, Renegade Nation. It's me, Naughty Nicole. And guess what? It's time for another Renegade Review. And I know it's been a while, but for today's entry, we're looking at a new one-hour drama based on a historic, real-life countercultural phenomenon. That's right, from Ryan Murphy, you know, that guy who created Glee, an American horror story. Well, When it was first announced that he was helming a show following the 1980s ball scene of New York City, well, I'm not going to lie, I did a bunch of ball jokes, but there were some serious red flags that went up after, you know, I finished all my ball jokes. Anyways, Murphy is rather known for, well, morphing subject matter into this hyper-reality that's, well, sensational over-the-top, and most oftentimes campy as fuck. But you know what? It's his brand, and he is unapologetic about it, and, well, honestly, he does it better than anyone else out there. I'll admit it, yes, I have ridden the Murphy train more than once. Oh, wait a minute, that sounds kind of naughty, too. Eh, the hell with it, I'm leaving it the way it is. (laughs) I love me some campy shit, but lately... I've tuned in for his latest and greatest, only to find myself jumping ship halfway through the season, if not earlier. But based on the few, the first few episodes of Pose, this FX drama may be the redeeming Murphy journey that may win me back. So, Pose premiered Sunday, June the 3rd at 9pm on FX, and this was not just the start of another one of Murphy's projects, but this is a full-on, in-depth history lesson into LGBTQ culture. This is set in the 1980s, oh my god, so decadent, right? And in New York City, during the era of shoulder-padded bad-acidness, 
This drama dives into the ball culture. Yes, go ahead, get the ball jokes out. I had to also. But the ball culture is a counterculture movement steeped in queerness and defiance. Now, before we start talking about what I thought of Pose, here's a little bit of the background on the ball scene. I know I am having way too much fun with this. <laughs> the ball scene. Okay. During the 1980s, members of the LGBTQ youth would gather for balls, where they would compete and walk in various categories of costume and voguing in front of a panel of judges. Who else is doing Madonna's Vogue? Vogue? Okay. Those who participated were members of houses which had a house mother. They would compete against other houses in various categories for trophies and, most importantly of all, glory and, of course, bragging rights. Think of the ball scene as a sporting event with a lot more fabulousness, ferociousness, a ton more style, and, well, lace front wigs and guys parading in dresses. Balls were essentially an event for misfits and outcasts of society where they could be themselves in a safe space with their peers and without judgment. Wait, there's a lot of judgment. Never mind. But there was plenty of shade that was thrown if your costume or voguing skills were anything less than sleigh-worthy. That said, Madonna was not the high priestess of voguing. No, she wasn't. She did what she does best. She takes something from an underground or counterculture, and she curates it for the mainstream. All right, now that the history lesson is over, let's move on. So everybody knows of the iconic documentary, Paris is Burning, as the standard for everything ball-related. Okay, seriously, gotta throw in a ball joke somewhere in here. You're just going to have to wait for it. But Pose does have a lot to live up to. But on the other hand, Paris is Burning is actually a real-life documentary, whereas Pose is fiction. So if you're expecting something similar to Paris, well then, you might want to put those expectations where they belong, out of here. Because Ryan Murphy did not make an, a Xerox copy for you. No, no, no. In fact, in the first episode, we are introduced to the House of Abundance, headed by the sharp-tongued and domineering house mother, Electra. As they plan for their next ball, Electra asks her children what category they should walk. The well-meaning and moral center of the series, Blanca, suggests that they, they walk in royal wear, an idea that Electra reframes and presents as her own. Electra takes her family, and they rob a museum's exhibit of royal wardrobe, which was both unbelievable and comical, considering it was a New York City museum. But, you know, it was the 80s, and I guess, well, they hadn't learned things like checking bathrooms and, you know, security and whatnot. Nonetheless, they slay the ball in their fabulousness and walk away winners. But Blanca... She's not satisfied because of the way Electra steals her ideas and continues to humiliate her and the rest of the family. So she decides she's going to start her own house, which of course Electra laughs in her face. Determined, Blanca starts her own family with Damon, an aspiring young dancer who is violently kicked out of his house when his parents find out he is gay. Angel, a fellow House of Abundance refugee, as well as street hustler Little Poppy, and later on we're going to see Damon's boyfriend Ricky. Now, 
they decide to call their house the House of Evangelista. That's right, named after the famed supermodel. Duh, right? And this establishes the Battle of the Houses, of which the entire series will be based. There's a specific fabulousness about Pose that can easily just be window dressing for an empty drama based on a soulful era in LGBTQ history. But Pose works best when it serves up some ball culture realness and queer-oriented narrative, which is mostly attributed to its cast of transgender actors and writers. With its storytelling perspective from trans people, there's a thoughtfulness and narrative authenticity to Pose that is not felt in any other shows in general, not just Murphy's shows. Now, Murphy's stamp of oversaturated visuals and TV richness is ever-present in Pose, but you can tell that there was extra care in handling this story because it's not a wildly bloody horror anthology, true crime retelling, or a show about a bunch of high schoolers belting out Don't Stop Believing at a regional singing competition and making you want to slap them silly. No, this is a story that never gets told, and Murphy wanted to make sure he got it right, and for that, I'm going to give him kudos because he does it in spades and best of all he does it with a jam worthy soundtrack of songs that range from Shaka Khan's Ain't Nobody and 10cc's I'm Not In Love that's right it's a great soundtrack even though some of the songs in the series do not really coincide with the era of Pose I looked right past because the musical cred on this was inspirational. I promise you this, you're going to be making Pandora and Spotify lists off of this, so go get started. Sure, it is groundbreaking that Pose has the largest transgender cast in the history of, well, ever. But if those trans characters had no nuance, well, then it wouldn't do any justice to the community, and it would just be bad TV. But Pose... It gives different layered narratives to its core characters, and it explores sexual and gender identity, and how they interact with each other, mainstream society, and 1980s New York, which included hyper-transphobia outside and within the LGBTQ communities, the growth of the greed-is-good Donald Trump empire, and the tragedy of the AIDS epidemics. All are folded into the show as vital plot points that push the story forward rather than shoehorn necessities. Rodriguez is absolutely a standout as Blanca, bringing a humanity, humility, and soul to the series. In the very first episode, Blanca is diagnosed with as an HIV positive, which fuels her determination to live her very best life for her and her house, especially Damon. But... Like a mother, she is very strict, but she is also fair as she raises him to do right and enrolls him in a prestigious dance school. On the flip side, you have Electra, who is brash, rude, and will pretty much step on anybody to get what she wants. Her Alexis Colby-esque flair adds lots of soapy moments of lashing out, but at the same time, she tones it down to show vulnerability when she struggles with her own decision to get gender reassignment surgery. She balances out Blanca's warmth and heart, making a good mother-bad mother dynamic that is a solid foundation for the series. Whether or not it's going to crumble has yet to be seen, but I have so much hope that this series will find its footing. 
Moore, who appeared in Damon Cardassus's indie LGBTQ-driven musical drama Saturday Church alongside Rodriguez, is easily another standout. As Angel, she delivers a soft-spoken performance that breathes gorgeous confidence, but at the same time, of vulnerability, specifically when she develops a relationship with Stan, played by, guess who, Evan Peters. Peters finds a solace and fascination with Angel that he's not getting from his home life and his basic wife, Patty, played by the great Kate Mara, or from his boss, Matt, played by James Vanderbeek. That's right, I said James fucking Vanderbeek. Oh my God, James fucking Vanderbeek. And he, of course, delightfully leans into his douchiness as they both work for Trump. Yep, I'm not kidding. Murphy folded Trump into the repertoire again. But you know what? The way he did it, it's worth it. You gotta watch it. But I would be remiss to not mention the force that is Billy Porter. The Tony Award winning actor of Kinky Boots shines and gives a jolt of glam as ball MC Pray Tell, who isn't just a tertiary character, but crucial to the show's narrative. That goes for all the characters. Murphy has mapped out enough characters to sustain this series, something that he excels at, and he leaves the door open for more storylines. I promise you it will leave you wanting more. Murphy fits a lot in the first half of Pose, but it isn't forced or pandering. But there are times when it can be a little bit, well, over the top. But then, of course, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. From Blanca getting kicked out of a gay bar for being trans, to Damon's first fame-like journey, and he is so giving us some major Leroy vibes, I miss fame, and Angel's general flawless presence, Pose delivers a marriage of Paris's burning and rent that lives, breathes, and slays in the Murphy TV universe. So if you haven't seen it yet, seriously, you need to catch up because it is worthy, my friends. All right, Renegade Nation, catch us next time. And if you like this review or if you have a comment, you can send us a like or a post. Got a show, a movie, or a book you want us to review? Let us know. I'm not saying that I'm going to, but, you know, make sure that I know about it so I can make fun of you and mock you in the process. See you next time on Renegade Reviews here on Renegade Talk Radio. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.